Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Yes, plenty to look forward to right up until 11.30. The man to my right is Cornelius Lysett. How are you this Sunday morning? All good? Yeah, good. I had a day at Newbury yesterday, uh, which was fun. Watching the action at Kelso mm. as well. Tremendous card at Kelso, wasn't it? I know we'll be talking about the, the more battle hurdle, hurdle and a big day for Sandy Thompson and Ryan Mania later on. But it, it just turned into a really good card. And there have been a lot of efforts by Kelso to make this day a really special day. Terrestrial TV, yep. really grabbing the limelight and, you know, full marks. And uh, it was really enjoyable as well. It felt watching on as though it was a, it would have been a really great day to, to be at Kelso. Absolutely. And I think calendar wise, it fits in it fits in quite well. Lots of prize money on offer as and well. And lots of talk of 100 grand if you can win the more battle hurdle and then win at Cheltenham. Isn't that great that that's become such a thing? Mm. And I know it didn't work out for Emmett Mullins. It didn't work out for um, for, for Lord of Fowler with Colonel Mustard. But it I know, could but work it out could, for Benson. Could work out for Benson, couldn't it? Right. But it does allow jokes, doesn't it? Because Benson sounds like the butler from Cluedo. So Colonel Mustard got done by Benson's lead piping on the run-in. I missed that. I missed that. I should have made that yesterday. There we go. That was one that got away. Uh, good stuff. Right, we will be reviewing all the action from, from yesterday, from over in Dubai as well. That's coming up. But first of all, Nick Luck in conversation with BHA Chief Executive Julie Harrington. Here you go. Well, Tom, thank you. I'm joined by the Chief Executive of the British Horse Racing Authority, Julie Harrington, at uh, a period where the BHA has come under significant criticism for its handling of the new whip regulations and at a time of really significant concern for the sport with the gambling review white paper still not published and no sign in the immediate future of any levy reform that will shore up the sport's finances. But uh, Julie Harrington, I want to start with the talk of the whip. As I'm talking to you now, which is on, on Friday morning, 11 o'clock uh, your time, uh, Paul Nichols has just issued a, a broadside against the, the BHA, 13 times champion train. I'm disappointed with the BHA. There are people in the BHA, they need to take a real look at themselves. Are they doing the right thing for the industry? I think they're letting us down. And I think this whole thing is wrong. We don't want to appease people who don't understand the game. I've been livid all along with the timing of it. Nothing seems to be simple with the BHA these days. We need a bit of backbone. The BHA need a bit of backbone. What do you say to that? Have you got the backbone, Julie, to be leading the sport? I'm obviously disappointed to hear those comments, Nick. Um, but actually, it does take a, a to use your words, backbone, to to make some unpopular decisions. We know that that there is um, huge passion on either either side of um, the debate about the whip, and and I have to be, um, you know, I have to be strong in that we are not um, pandering to to those people who will never love the sport and um, what we're trying to do is make sure that the sport is fair um and that also that it's as attractive as attractive as possible to those people who don't have um, a strong opinion either way on, on the sport but you're saying you're not you're not pandering and and you've been quite clear that this is not a an issue of of, of perception and pandering to people that that don't like horse racing yet in your comments at the asian racing conference you said cheltenham is our shop window we don't want 18 to 24s to think the sport is cruel so you're saying it is about it is about perception so i think uh, everybody would agree that you know there, there is different sides and different um schools of thought on whether the whip is a welfare issue but i think what everybody does agree that it is a perception issue for the sport 
Um, and I think it would be negligent of us to know that and just sit and do nothing about it. Well, hang on. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it a welfare issue or isn't it a welfare issue as far as the BHA is concerned? I think for those people who, who work closely with horses, who, um, you know, the, the WIT review panel on our behalf was filled with people who work really closely with horses. And their recommendation, their strong recommendation was con to continue to, to keep the WIP for encouragement because they believe it's not a welfare issue. So, so you're saying it is not a welfare issue now? Because So a minute ago you said there are debates around whether it is or isn't a welfare issue. Is it a welfare issue according to the chief executive of the BHA? What does the chief executive of the BHA think? What do you think? Is it a is it an issue of welfare that a that a foam covered whip is used for your encouragement of a horse in a horse race per se? Nick, let me be clear. I do not believe that it is an issue of welfare, but I am also leading a sport where I know that there is a, a huge and passionate debate on both sides and difference of opinion there. Um, and But what I think we're all agreed on is that it is a perception issue. It's also a fairness issue that you know that a, a lot of the work that the panel was doing in, turn, in terms of making recommendations was to make sure that we have fair results. That if you, you know, if you are the connections of a horse that um, is riding within the rules and you lose out to a horse that is riding outside the rules, and there needs to be sufficient deterrent to make sure that that is 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 fair and that there isn't that win at any cost mentality. But isn't the truth of it that it's neither a welfare issue nor a perception issue? Isn't the truth of it, it's about a, an authority, a regulator, being able to ensure that its participants abide by the rules that it sets down and to have confidence in those rules and to have confidence in its own ethics behind those rules. Isn't that the truth? Of this issue, Julie, because the rules have to have a purpose, don't they, Nick? That the rules aren't aren't you don't just say abide by the rules because we've decided what they are. But they, the they have to have, they have, have, have to, they have to have an ethical underpinning, surely. But you are the regulator; you are the chief executive of the regulator. So, so your ethics inform that to a greater or lesser extent, don't they? Well, the reason it isn't just about my ethics, the reason is that we set up a, a committee is to make sure that we had a broad school of knowledge from trainers, um, jockeys and, you know, experts who whose strong recommendation was to keep the, the whip, you know, because it is recognised as a, a useful tool in, in horsemanship. Um, in terms of getting a horse um, to engage, to get a horse safely uh, around the course, but also to engage and give of its best. Um, because we want competition to be fair. Um, and, you know, we also want to to ensure that we are perceived by um, the, the broadest possible audience. The, we want the, you know, we love racing. Those people who are close to racing um, understand this, and we know that there is there is still broad um, a difference of opinion in those people who love racing. What we want to do is get past this and make sure that we are engaging as many people as possible in the sport that we all love. You're setting yourself up for a communications disaster at Cheltenham and Aintree, aren't you? Given the way that the given the timing of this. So from a you know that we know that there is always passionate debate around the whip. Um, there is never a, a good time um, to make changes. Making change is difficult. Um, we actually announced the recommendations back in July last year uh, and have been working through that period of technical discussions. It was you know, the most thorough consultation that the BHA has ever done. Um, working through those technical discussions um, working with the PJA um, when, you know, later in the day, there were, it was clear that there were some issues. I want to let you finish, Julie. I don't want to interrupt you, but I do want to just get to this point on the PJA. Clearly, jockeys felt disenfranchisement through every step of this process, even though there were two senior jockeys on the WIP review committee. 
why was your relationship with the PJA not significantly robust to be checking this at every step of the every step of the process? Where, where was your relationship with key stakeholders during this process? We were liaising with the PJA throughout the process, Nick, that it, there was a steady stream of strong communication. I think one of the learnings through this process, um, and we've had a very open conversations with colleagues at the PJA, is we need to make sure that those bodies in the sport that are representing stakeholder groups are truly representing those groups. Um, and whether that's trainers, whether that's jockeys, because, you know, we've, we've worked hard on putting a new governance structure in place to make sure that we can move the sport forward without rights of veto, all the things I've talked to you about before. But unless we can be confident that those stakeholders who are representing self-employed people, broad stakeholder groups truly are representing them, and it's really difficult. So is it the PJA's fault then that the jockeys weren't communicated with properly? I think the jockeys are busy people. Um, we have communicated direct with with jockeys. We've met with lots of groups of jockeys throughout this and communicated through the PJA. But I think they have agreed that they could have handled it better. So then you get a situation whereby you've got a deputation of senior jockeys. They go to the board. You realise that some of the recommendations... Uh, need to need to be uh, rescinded, particularly the forehand backhand issue, and then you do a trade off with the jockeys, which has had the effect that the, the key recommendations in in the whip review uh, committee's report have been have been changed, and yet still a broad corpus of the jockeys aren't happy. So you've done a trade off. Nobody's happy with the BHA. How is that possibly good strong leadership? That whenever you're making changes to the rules there will be people who disagree um speaking direct to jockeys who are representing the whole weighing room um and the pja um they wanted um the these stronger penalties um and you know there is a, a clear understanding that those rules are in place now um, and that it's up to them to to now make sure that they are riding within those rules we have you know we have been really pleased um, seeing how hard they've worked to make the adjustments you have seen in the last few weeks, um, how um, you know they're professional athletes and they have been making changes to ride within the new rules. Um, so, yeah, I, I commend them for that. Yeah, that was recorded on Friday. Nick Lark in conversation with BHA Chief Executive Julie Harrington. We get a chance to react to that now. Cornelius Lysett still in with me and Gavin Sheehan alongside. Welcome in, first of all, Gavin. You well? Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to, nice to see you. Of course, at Kelso yesterday, we're going to be reviewing some of that. But first of all, Cornelius, what did you make of Nick's chat well, with Julie Harrington? First thing to say was those people who said uh, on social media this morning, oh, I bet racing TV gives her an easy time. Uh, he didn't give her an easy time. It wasn't Jeremy Paxman, but he didn't need to be Jeremy Paxman, but he did press her yeah. on some important we points. We nearly got a bit of Paxman. We, we, well, did the, you threaten to overrule him was asked a couple of times yeah, regarding about the jockey, the jockey, the jockey club, club yeah, and yeah. The, um, the airbrush whip. Let's be honest. It wasn't an especially accomplished performance by uh, Julie Harrington there, was it? Um, normally, uh, Sunday mornings, sofas, uh, it could be politicians, it could be captains of industry, it could be the head of an organisation that's a bit under pressure. They do the rounds, they have the set-piece interviews, and then the, the uh, written media uh, probably writes a story saying X came out fighting at criticism, because this was a lambasting by Paul Nichols. This wasn't just a, a, a pop at uh, the authorities, this was a lambasting. Um, and I don't think that Bill Barber, the brilliant industry editor of the Racing Post, or Tom Kerr at the Racing Post, are going to be sharpening their pens this morning and saying she came out fighting because she didn't come out fighting uh, I thought it was it was a sort of fairly average performance if, if I'm honest um, it, that, that great question from Nick who is running racing and uh, Julie Harrington said well you I suppose you want me to say me yes yes uh, we we do we need more character and more personality this sport is not galloping forward in the way that everybody knows uh, that uh, it's capable of, of doing it's not galloping forward it needs some leadership and I have to say the lambasting Paul Nichols is at a point-to-point -point today he's at the um, uh, the Charlton Hawthorne point-to-point -point in um, the Blackmore and um, Spartford Vale point-to-point -point. he won't be walking around to his mates 
saying, oh, well, she's, she's assured me that we've got real leadership here. But, that, but that's never really been BHA's style. Doesn't the, the structure but, but, of horse yeah. racing not allow it to do that, to go after but its the, participants the, in such a way? Yeah, but hold on. It, it changed in the last few months. And have we seen changes, do you think? Have we seen that come to fruition? Well, I, so, so what happened was that this famous tripartite way of leadership was adjusted so that everybody said that the British Horse Racing Authority would be the boss. Well, I don't really see any great uh, leadership uh, skills being demonstrated over the um, over the last few months. Um, some of the language there, uh, I thought, you know, that corporate gibberish that everybody dislikes, uh, you know, and eventually answering the question about the jockey club uh, and airbrushing the photograph of Aplutar. There isn't really anyone in racing who thinks that was a great idea and it ended up giving ammunition for racing's opponents to say they're trying to airbrush the truth. Um, I, I agree with you. I think a staunch condemnation of that would have served her best. Just hmm. on, um, but she obviously didn't want to. The Jockey Club is a very powerful organisation, right. and she clearly didn't want to upset it. Ju ju weren't the BHA, to some extent, between a rock and a hard place, regards showing leadership by by bringing in these rules? And I'll come to you on this, Gavin, just very shortly. Um, the new Whit rules in before Cheltenham or not? I.e., they show leadership, they bring them in before Cheltenham and they get criticised for doing so. Had they not done that, had they held off and brought them in at the start of the new jump season or waited until the start of the flat season to bring them in, well, people would have said, what leadership is that? Stick to your guns. Well, yeah, but, but what you do is you create, you um, you do leadership from, from the word go. There is, there is never a good time to bring these things in. I just don't agree with that. I don't think anyone really genuinely agrees with that. You could have started the whip rules. Do, 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 does jumping and flat racing, did they have to start these whip rules at the same time? I don't know whether, because there, there's not much crossover in terms of the participants directly um, affected. So you could have started the jumping on the 1st of May, uh, or that first week of May where the new season starts. There could have been a bedding in period. In fact, there could have been a bedding in period, which was a, was a, was a genuine period. They could have got on with it. Uh, and they could have, say, started the flat racing on the 1st of November. November uh, or after the end of the uh, flat turf season and you know because on the one hand you're saying um, uh, we, 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 we are supporters of the whip on on the other hand and the the big shop windows at Cheltenham and Aintree uh, on the flat at Royal Ascot and all these type of places uh, you're, you're then saying this is a shop window this is uh, uh, an opportunity for us to try and draw people in and then you're doing something which is absolutely fundamental which isn't time doesn't have to be brought in in February. They chose to bring it in in February. They could have easily brought it in later on, and that shot window could have uh, could have been uh, able to open much more comfortably than it is going to be opening at Cheltenham next week. Gavin, you were nodding then. Dare I say, whatever you think, and I I think I know what you think of the new root rules, but whatever you you think of them. The, the preference from you, the preference from the weighing room would have been let's not bring it in before something like the Cheltenham Festival and risk getting banned for all the big meetings in the in the spring. Yeah, literally just before the, the, the Oro Olympics. Um, it's just been brought in and there's how many jockeys now that are, you know, banned and can't actually ride at Cheltenham. So, so tell me why are, given we've had a betting in period, Given that the numbers are the numbers, you know the numbers, we, we all know the numbers, why are jockeys getting banned? Jockeys getting banned because there's, there's a lot of grey areas. There was the, 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 the whip rule that um, giving him time to respond, that was one of them. Giving a horse time to respond, a, a jockey is out there, he's trying to do his best, of course. Um, but you're getting a feel for a horse. If a horse you know, makes mistake at a jump or is just get, getting tired. You're, you're using the persuader just to, to, to encourage him to look at a jump, to go forward. You do everything just off instinct and just, just get that feel. And, you know, it, numbers are numbers. Um, if you go over, then you get done. That's kind of that. But it's kind of one of those when you're riding a horse, you might have to give him, you know, um, a flick out in the country. You might have to give him another one to kind of keep in the race. And then all of a sudden, you're turning in and then when you're getting into the kind of nitty gritty of things and you're trying to look for a bit more help and whatever else, you know, then how, how many did I, how many did I use? You know, it, it's kind of... So you, you got banned on day one? Yeah. Um, you rode a winner and then you got banned on the horse you were second on. Uh, would you go once over, twice over? Once over, yeah. Once over, okay. Did you know you'd gone once over? No. Okay. So they called you in, Stewart's called you in and said, 
looks to us like you've gone once over. That'll be confirmed next Wednesday. Uh, it's going to lead to a to a four day ban. Four day. Yeah. Um, so you, I hear you hear people outside the sport saying, uh, and I've heard jockeys inside the sport say it as well. I remember um, Luke Morris saying it about riding on the flat. Regards to to uh, a, a ban that Ross Coakley got in Germany, saying you can count. I think it was to five over there. So what do you say to people who say, well, you 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 can count to seven? It's very easy to say that, um, but when you, I've been trying to count. But when you are using the persuader out in the country or something, and then when you turn in, I done it the other day at Hereford. How many was that? Was that three? Was it four? But like a horse might make a mistake, and then all of a sudden you forget it. For, forget how many you've actually used. You go to into you're walking into your bedroom, and somebody calls you and they stop you from what you were going to get. Then all of a sudden, because you've stopped and you've had a quick chat or done something. Then all of a sudden you're going back into your bedroom. Like, what did I come back in here for? You know, you, you can forget very quickly. It's very easy to count, but when you're on a horse and a horse makes a mistake, and you're trying to just stay up, or somebody something happens in front of you, things there's a lot goes on inside in a race, and you don't have, you know, just counting on your mind. There's isn't so it much case, more though, involved. You know that counting is going to get easier and easier, isn't it? It's you know. Whatever walk of life, people have to change the way they work. And um, unfortunately for jockeys in most walks of life, you don't end up losing your livelihood for a time if, if um, you take a bit of time to get used to it. But it's striking. It was 20, in, um, 20 referrals, I think, in the first week, wasn't it? Down to 12. Um, and uh, the, 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 uh, the, the whip above shoulder height, I think that has come right down. So is there not evidence things are actually coming together? So BHA, I've been quite critical of the BHA this morning, can't it actually turn around as well and say, well, look, uh, th th of course it's going to take a bit of time, but it's beginning to work. I think there's a lot of grey areas. Uh, like jo Jockeys are getting um, done for time to respond. That kind of snuck in under, under the radar. Was that, did they compromise because they gave us back the forehand? And, you know, was it just one of those things? There's so many kind of grey areas in it. And... As, as a jockey, you're trying to obviously go out there and do your best, but you know, with the with, as you say, the the numbers come down, mm. but the numbers come down because the jockeys are afraid. They're afraid. They're they're literally. We've had jockeys inside the waiting room crying afterwards because they're getting referred for something and whatever else. And you know, it, it, we're all afraid inside there, and we can't ride a normal race okay. now. So I don't think we're giving our best. Right. So jockeys being afraid to use the the, the whip in a race. This is Richard Patrick's come out and said said this in the, in the Racing Post um, yesterday. I think that was that was put up. Is jockeys being afraid to use the the whip as a headline is 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 not a positive headline, but jockeys thinking far more carefully if you spin it another way about how they use the stick the whip. Is that not a good thing for the perception of the sport? This thing the BHA keep talking about going forward. Is that not a is that not a good thing for horse racing? Yeah, there's a, there's a language thing here, isn't there? Julia Harrington said we're not pandering to critics, but then in the next breath she's saying that we're we're talking about um, uh, about perception, and uh, I think there's quite a lot of overlap there, isn't there? Well, there's a difference between pandering to critics or preempting what future critics will say, mm. and perception fits both of those billings. Now, mm. I think the BHA would say this is, this is about prevention mm. and this is about what may be on the horizon, but yes, we see people who are staunchly critical of how the BHA approached this are talking about you know, pandering to the antis, which well, I think the BHA is saying that's not what Should Julie have said that in the interview earlier on? Um, you know, does that not, what you've just said, demonstrates a certain amount of leadership, a, a certain amount of looking forward? Uh, and I'm not sure that interview ne necessarily demonstrated that. But, but clearly, uh, the, there are critics, and uh, if the, the, uh, the, the whip rules are tightened and everybody, most people stick within them, and more people uh, are, still a huge number, huge numbers are sticking within them. There were obviously 20 referrals in the first week down to 12, and hopefully that will be reduced uh, again uh, next week. The, the, the big concern is, of course, the following week, isn't it? Because suddenly you've got a whole lot of jockeys who aren't used to these rules. One other thing I want to touch on with you, Gav, if I can, is, is this shoulder height thing. So do you, you personally, and also watching other jockeys ride, I don't know if, if shoulder height was ever really an issue for you, maybe it wasn't, I know there's different riding styles, that was never really a thing, never an issue you were worried about, My right? shoulders aren't great, so I can't really get them up okay, that right. high, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, every cloud, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so fine. But would, do you look at other riders sometimes and think, 
they could be in trouble, and then they aren't, and others catch you by surprise. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's with discretion taken out of it because of the, it seemed, because of the uh, forehand being the trade-off allowed. Um, that, that shouldn't be a grey area, but it still feels as, as though it is. Do, do you feel there are some riders who really don't know where they are shoulder height-wise? Sometimes they might get away with it and sometimes they won't. I, I, I've seen a couple that I thought oh, they, they might be in um, that have gone a bit above, but it's a, it's, it's a style that he's been using for however many years. And just to get, kind of get your bed name period, it, it doesn't kind of... It doesn't work like that in a sense because it, you've been doing it for the last, I don't know, 15 years and all of a sudden then you're, you're, you're getting told to change. It's not that easy because you've got your own style, your own technique, everything. But like the, the, the people that are giving out about it, have they been educated on the whip? And just to see like how much padding is, where, where we actually, um, you know, strike them as well, uh, you know, in, in the correct place because there's so much flesh around there. Horses are big, massive animals. They're, they're, they're like however many tons, but it, it, when you're riding, if you're getting a feel from a horse that he's given his best, you don't need anything. So has the education programme not been good enough? Because the fact, I, I completely um, uh, appreciate what you've just said, but if you go out into the high street and you show people pictures of a race, it does look as though there are people hitting an animal. Now, you say it doesn't hurt, and I think it's proven it doesn't hurt, but has the education programme just been utterly um, inadequate over the last few years to try, and, to try and make that point, or is it just impossible to actually make that point? I, I, throw, I don't know the answer to that, but um, you know, has there been any kind of real education programme? I'm, I'm not sure. When it comes to perception, I'm not sure how likely it is that one fewer strikes or not using the strike not using the the whip above shoulder height is going to be suddenly a big turn on for people who question well, the use so, of the whip so, so you're, do you're either hitting a horse or, or you're not and for some people however you use it that's going to be too and much and do you think tightening the so I'm probably disagreeing with what you just said so tightening the rules isn't going to draw more people into the sport is no. it though Julie said in her interview I want to draw more people in and link that to this what I think is that in in two years time we might look at finishes to races and see them as more palatable and a, an easier sell outside of horse racing than what we, what, what we saw a couple of years ago and certainly what we saw before in 2010 before the, the first whip rules came into place. So I, I think, yes, it will be, I think it will be certainly a, a better spectacle. Mm. Um, but uh, I think the fundamental issue, one thing we can all agree on this sofa is where we are right now before the Cheltenham Festival is a regrettable position to be in. I just want to, other points from what Julie said that you wanted to pick up um, on, perhaps whip aside. So, so well, j just on the whip again, a lot of talk about perception, obviously, but also about fairness. Now, I just wonder whether that's the spin doctors saying, do you know, I'd emphasize it's unfair on the horse, the, the people connected to the horse that's finished second, if the jockey on the winner has broken the rules with his or her whip in order to win. So th there was quite a lot of emphasis from her on that. Okay, Is that Gavin, a different line that's appeared? Gavin, you're uh, riding in the, the, the three-mile novice chase and you finish second to a horse and a rider who uses the stick four times above the permitted limit and on the, when the following Wednesday it gets thrown out and you win the race. Are you happy with that? Do you feel that's right because it was unfair that you used the stick correctly and the rider of the winner didn't? To be honest with you, when you're riding over three miles, two miles, it's totally different, kind of, and how many times that you you're, you're you can you like you can only use it seven times. But there's different races for different things. If he's used it, then he, he's you know obviously more or less needed to um, to encourage the horse. Um, but did you ever feel it was unfair before if you knew that a rider had broken the rules and you and and, and had beaten your horse, or not? Would unfair be the wrong word? No, I think I think if they've, they've, they've won the race, they would, they've won the race. Um, if they get thrown out, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I don't think I'd have a smile on my face. Mm. You know, I'd be very hard done by if I was the one getting thrown out as well. Um, you know, they, they, this, this, this game really needs to kind of, I think, have a look at itself um, and readdress itself.
Right, Gavin's still in alongside me. We've got the, got the past stuff out of the way. Job done. We'll talk about nice things now. I like your good season. It's going well, right? Yeah, um, solid season. Uh, very happy with it. I think I'm on 66 winners now. Um, things are going well. You always want them to be going better. Well, so take me through the career arc or the career path of, of Gavin Sheehan. When, when, what year was your first ride? Um, I started off pony racing. Um, done an amateur, I was an amateur with Michael Harrigan for two years and I moved over here in August 2011. Right. Um, Just in time for the new whip rules, great. Yeah. Um, and and take, take me on the, the path since then. How, how, do you, how do you feel it's gone peaks and troughs wise? Um, there's obviously going to be ups and downs, but it's, uh, I'm always looking towards the future, always trying to get better. Like I feel better, I feel like I'm riding better now than I was last year and um, goes on, but it's, uh, I was lucky enough to be champion conditional um, and just kind of, I, I seen Noel Feely probably had his best years when in his last eight years. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that... H how old are you now? 30. Us. Um, Absolute whippersnapper in jockey's terms. Yeah, probably, but you, you, the retirement's only on the horizon, <laughs> not the same. Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to build and trying to get better, you know, you, you want better contacts, better horses, and you're always looking for that one horse that'll take you to the next level. Mm. Well, ha have there been downs? Yeah, massive downs, yeah. What, what, what led to those? Would they be things on the track, off the track? Not not getting the horses that you'd hoped suddenly into a, in the following season off the back of a good season. What what have, what have led to those, and how have you responded to them? Um, I obviously feel like what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, but there there's been a few downs. Like um, you know, last last year I lost a couple of jobs um, that I had, and I you know I was going well. I, I had a couple of good contacts, everything else, and they kind of just went. And then I had to rebuild, and you know, I ride for Jamie Snowden. He's he's my main man, and um, he's always backed me, and hopefully will continue backing me. And and so, from looking at the outside in, I don't know the ins and outs of it. It, it looked like certainly one of those jobs was, wasn't your fault that you lost the job. Um, now I don't know whether you could whether you could look at yourself and ever apportion any blame to yourself. I don't know whether it's good to do so as a, as a sportsman. But how do you see the reasons why last year didn't work out, perhaps? Um, Results, our, our 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 game is down to results, um, you know. But I I built up good relationship um, with them, but then it kind of just went, and that's then when you just you sink. Um, Did you question your ability or how you were riding? Oh, massively. Um, you know, I, I can remember one day I wasn't riding one and uh, rang my agent, and I just says, "Is it me?" And I was walking around the track thinking, like, what am I doing wrong? I really need to have a look at myself and everything. And he was, Kevin, you're riding well. You're doing, you're, you're doing things right. And then I'm like, why are you only saying that just because, you know, you're trying to build me back up or something? But that was a long walk around the track. Yeah. Um, and you weren't riding? I was, yeah. Oh, you, so you, um, you were riding? I was riding that, that day, but it was a not couple, in that couple race, of days. And yeah. Your head gets fried, but, like, if you're operating on a... 20% strike rate. That's a good strike rate, but then you got 80% losers. You know that that's our game. But it's it's when you when you when you don't ride a horse that you thought you should be riding. Um, you know, and then it goes away and wins a big one. Mm. Then that's a massive down. Even though you're all behind the scenes and everything's behind, that's massive down. But it's um, you know I I think you just got to rebuild, keep your head down, keep working, and keep going forward. Because it looked like, um, you know, I'd say about five or six years ago, things were very much like this. And now it feels like they're really, I, I guess not necessarily just, just numbers-wise, but quality of horse-wise, you're back on a really, real high quality of horse again, it yeah. feels like. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and I, I want more of them. Um, but it's kind of, I wrote some nice big winners. Um, I've had two Chester... Cheltenham Festival winners, um, but the, it is a kind of bit of a bumpy road. But hopefully now it's starting to build up, and I kind of want to build myself a, a good name that people will use me, you know. And they say, "Oh, I got a spare ride. Who'll I use?" And I want to be the one that's on on under mine. So I want to keep riding to the best of my ability, keep myself in the best shape I can, and um, still do what I'm doing. But you kind of want them bigger ones. And I guess when you hit 
sort of the, the 30 that you are now, for example, you're not the bright young thing anymore. Because it definitely felt there was a stage where you were one of three or four who were the, you know, the bright young guys who were coming through and let's see what he can do. Now, you can't be that anymore because you've been around for a certain amount of time. And so you've almost got to build yourself up in a, in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm, I'm oh, saying this through, through experience. Don't, 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 don't worry. Is bright. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose you do. Um, you know, uh, and I think because you've been there and done that, yeah. you're more reliable in a sense. Yeah. I think that I think that's a big thing as well. And you know, with all with all them experiences of the big race and everything else like that. But it's um, yeah, think things are going well and when um, riding nicer horses and. Jamie Snowden's got a, he's definitely getting a better quality of horse now as well. Who is the best horse you've ridden this year? Um, I can't say because I'll annoy people. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, well, very, very good. Well done. I should know not really to ask that question. Um, one of the most exciting horses you've ridden this year it would be She Wears It Well, right? Yeah, you she's, wear it well. Yeah, you wear it well. Yeah, yeah quite. She, she's very talented. Yeah. So I was at Sandown when she won. Um, is going to go for Cheltenham. Um, I remember on the day it was it was they had the Gordon Elliott thing come over and it was like oh how good does the form match up either side of the of the Irish Sea? Well, your filly's class. Yeah, she was uh, she was very good to be fair, um, and I've got a lot of confidence in her ability. Um, you know, obviously she was second in the Grade One, um, Chalo Hurdle. She looks good form now. Yeah, it's very good form. Um, the fourth and fifth came out and won and things before that race, and you know it it was. It was good, but she's um, she's a moody little thing at home, and she's not that enjoyable to to s get down to the school and ground because mm. she'll um, she'll show her mood. But she's, uh, and she's I, very and you talented. Went, you went forward in this early, didn't you? And then something came up and took you along. So do do you did that hinder you or did it help or it helped massively? Right. Um, I I I I done went down through the race so many times the night before and on the day when I was going out I said to Jamie I said I said our, our whole take our time and you know get her into the race and be there kind of at the second last I said that's all gone out the window <laughs> um, I said there's nobody wants to make it which I was surprised about because they've all made it bar the Gordon Elliott horse mm -hmm. um, and that was just ridden handy I've made it before um, she made it in her bumper made it um, twice over hurdles so it wasn't bother me too much but on the day she didn't exactly take me forward that much um, especially down the back she started backing off the first one down the back and as soon as um, a skeleton horse came upsides I was like oh happy days and she was interesting because I think she had entries in all the novice races over a variety of trips what do you think her best trip is at the moment I'd say two and a half okay. I'd say she's strong two and a half but she still seems like she's got enough speed for two mile and you know, Jamie's adamant that she'll say three miles. So she seems versatile enough at the moment. Ground everything, two and a half seems probably our our, our best trip. Okay, so if she but Mayor's novice wise, um, staying against her own sex is just going to make life, I guess, a bit easier, isn't it? To whether or not she stays three miles in the future is going to be best over three miles in the future. Yeah, exactly. I think at the moment she still shows like she's got enough speed. Um, I think she's given weight weight away in the, that race. She won the ah uh, yes Sandown, um, yeah. which pro probably be tough, but um, that's on the more staying track as well at Cheltenham. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is two miles, but it's it's more the staying staying track, so you can turn it into a bit more of a, a test. One thing that's been interesting is your association with um, Paddy Neville as well. How did that come about? Um, I rode from one day above at Carlisle. Um, he was bringing horses over from Ireland. Yeah. Um, Rode from there and um, gone on well with him. And uh, I can imagine it's quite easy to get on well with him. He's a Limerick man and I'm a Cork man, <laughs> okay. so there's a bit of banter there, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he asked me to ride N'Golo um, after that, and when he came over, he was obviously um, with Anne Duffield. Um, but yeah, kind of. I suppose N'Golo was one of the, the main ones that kind of mm. got us going in the Swinton. He, well, he ended up winning the Swinton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was, I mean, uh, still in officially Anne Duffield's name, but obviously Paddy was waiting to get his license. Yeah. Even though he trained for fifteen years in Ireland, you got you got to tick all those boxes, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 
I mean, and that, that seems a good place to be now, given the quality of horse that he seems to have in there. There's a bit of financial backing in there as well. And the, the real whacker is another horse you've teamed up with, for example. I know you went on last time because you went to ride a treble somewhere, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Worked out all right. Um, but this looks like a, a horse who's got a, a lively chance at Cheltenham. Yeah, he definitely has. Um, yeah, just fence, fences seem to be the making of him. He, he, he jumps brilliant. Um, I actually sat in him on Tuesday. Um, he feels good, he feels strong. Um, he's won over three um, that day and since won over two and a half. Um, so he's got a bit of speed about there, but he, he's, he, he's just a brilliant jumper. Um, Do you think he wants to go forward? Yeah, I think he would. He, okay. he does. Um, I don't think he needs to, but uh, I think just by going forward, using his jump and everything, he just seems to enjoy it. Mm. And I, I mean, it's really interesting that they that they gave him a Gold Cup entry. I know that was he wanted to see how it panned out, but he'd have a lot. He'd have a must have a, a pretty good chance in that race. He would do, yeah. Not not in the Gold Cup. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Is he like third third favorite? He's second now, favorite. Is he? Um, even better. Um, <laughs> Which yeah, he, he would have a solid chance. Mm. Um, he, he's two chase runs of being around Cheltenham. He's won both times. Um, he's definitely going there with a massive chance. Are you desperate to get back in the Cheltenham Festival Winners Enclosure? Oh yeah. What's it like? Oh, it's brilliant. Um, everything just evolves around Cheltenham, and it, it's that long walk back in, knowing that you've done it, and you can almost get the praise, everything, and it's just the satisfaction feeling, mm -hmm. and then the buzz. So the, 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 the winners you've had, I guess you enjoyed them as a, well, you know, they were a few years back, weren't they? Um, but you were a younger man then. So I may, did you appreciate it then? Um, Cheltenham, I did. Um, the, the world hurdle, um, because that was the first one. Yeah. It was kind of, you're going in there with a chance and loved the horse, Cole Harden. Um, he was just brilliant. And just the whole buzz was great. My mother was over with my brother, Keith, and, uh, yeah, that, that was very special, and then from the fr it was from the front, wasn't from it? From the front, yeah. yeah. Then I had simply the bets. Um, two years ago now, was it? Mm. Um, that was brilliant because obviously Andrew Brooks and everything, and um, built up a good connection with him, and um, that's exactly what he wanted was the the Cheltenham Festival winner. He wanted a Grade One winner and a Cheltenham Festival winner. He, he got his own horse for a long time, and I, I got the two of them for yeah. for him, which was brilliant. But so itchy feet for Ollie Murphy's in later, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's another one for the yeah. Silly Isles. Uh, this is, so this is Cole Harden um, back in 2015. Thank God it's on the screen. God, yeah. that's mad. That's, uh, honestly, I would have said it was a few years later than that. So, yeah, eight years ago. Long time ago now. Yeah. Well, you were. You were 22. Yeah. He, um, he, was, he was a brilliant horse. Just tough as nails. Um, gave everything for you. Um, he, he jumped class and everything. But... Uh, Oh, you gave it the spin. Oh, I gave it the spin. <laughs> I would have done anything on that. Then. And then, and then Warren cried. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Fair play. <laughs> but that's what Cheltenham is, right? That's what it is. That, that's it's the it's the whole everything. It's yeah. it is our Olympics. It's the, the pinnacle of our sport, and you know, just just to do it on the big day, it's massive. And obviously, that was the the Grade One. That was one of the four big ones. Uh, hello everyone, welcome back. Cornelius back in, Gavin shifted up and Ollie Murphy's in. We've just been um, talking about itchy feet. That man was on board. How are you? Good, thank you very much. Yeah, no, good day that was. Yeah, he's going to run at Cheltenham? He will, he'll run the per temps. Um, whether a, a big field will be for him remains to be seen, but he seems to have, have regained his mojo this year. He won a, a per temps qualifier in, in Huntingdon, then ran very well in the in the Rendlesham, so nice to see that he still retains plenty of visibility. We've just been talking about how Cheltenham is, well, I don't want to say <coughs> the beat-all and end-all, but let's be honest. Um, what's your love affair with Cheltenham been like? Obviously had a, a, a pretty good affair with it, working for, for Gordon for such a long time. Yeah. Obviously Gold Cup winner and, um, and plenty of others along the way, and uh, obviously still waiting to taste my first success <laughs> there so uh well i'll be honest i didn't think you'd have to wait as long as you had after that supreme a few years ago and and the as it was the neptune i think then with brewing up a storm placed as well yeah it put manners on me at a very early <laughs> stage of my career shall we say um obviously itchy feet and thomas darby were second third in the supreme brewing up a storm turned in looked like he'd win a ballymore yeah i then went there the year after itchy feet and brewing up a storm were 
nearly favourites for an Arkle and the 2-4 novice and both end up on the floor. So uh, mm. yeah, I went home, licked my wounds and... Um, was that you ending up right? So yeah, no, we didn't, 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 <laughs> didn't have a lot of luck that year. How was that walk back? Not, mu not much fun. I, I, yeah. I always think once once jockeying a horse okay, you can yeah. you can cope with the rest. But uh, well, I remember, do you remember we had you in here one day after Bruin had run in the oh, I forgot what it's called the the trials the meeting trial, yeah. and um, is it the classic trial? And he and he, I think he would have won. Bumped into a JP well, a JP horses won it, and uh, he came down at the last. Birchdale, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to yeah, forget. No, 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 you remember those days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, listen. Obviously, listening to Gavin earlier on, is it the be-all and end-all? Yeah, it's our Olympics, isn't it? Mm. So, just desperate to taste that first bit of success on my own. Did your, I mean, we can see, and we're going to be discussing this in Talking Points, <coughs> the, the Irish challenge this year, in particular Gordon um, sending over hundreds of horses, um, 150 plus, I think. Well, did that sort of teach you anything about the festival and, and, and did it really sort of cement it in your mind as the pinnacle of the of the season and, and trying to work out what horses could fit in where I know obviously we're talking different numbers wise yeah I, I suppose so um, the planning to these races a lot of people wouldn't realize how early on in the year you start planning to see what you've got for a county or a coral cup or mm. a national hunt chase or a, or a boys race it doesn't just you don't just look at the entry book in February and think, oh, we'll run that That'll fit in there. In X, Y, or Z. When you start? Um, so when were your, your, your conspiring, oh, your plotting of starting? Listen, you could win a maiden hurdle in October and November and think, we'll get three runs into this lad, get him up to the 130s, and he could be a horse for an X, Y, or Z. And, and I learned a lot of that off Gordon as well, that, yeah, planning, planning does start very early on. So you've just led me down a path, which I know we're going to come into yesterday, but I want to ask this question. I can ask it to all of you. I think one thing that's really interesting we're seeing, certainly in recent years, is the Irish horses winning a state man, which I know you couldn't do now because you've got to have four, four, four runs over hurdles, but a state man winning a county turns out to be one of the best two-mile hurdlers we've seen since Constitution Hill. Um, the, we've got... Uh, Galapanda Sean winning a boys race. Um, these Irish Belfast bands that won a county won a subsequent grade one. <coughs> Why don't you get British horses winning handicaps and then winning grade ones? It just like it does. If it happens, it happens on a far lesser scale than it does in Ireland. So why do, why do you think that is? Why are the Irish afforded the chance, or why do they target handicaps with future grade one horses and the British don't? Good question. Um, I think if you go back and see who trains a lot of these horses, they've got a monopoly of, of horses for those grade ones as well, and they, they end up having to spread around graded horses and, and running them in handicaps. One thing you, you've got to remember now in these handicaps in Cheltenham, they are so compressed. There's eight to ten pounds between top, between top and bottom now. Um, but the likes of Willie and Gordon, uh, the more races they can win over the four days, the better. And if they can run a graded horse in a handicap, that's off mid 130s or early 140s then mm. listen it's it's I suppose yeah. if you've got three for the supreme and but you've actually got six mm. you know what are you going to what, what are you going to do with the others mm. so um actually i've done a few Cheltenham previews and ev practically every single one i've been to has said ollie murphy's going to win the supreme novice hurdle uh and you've got two you've got two goes at it haven't you funny enough the one preview that you were on you didn't say you were going to win the uh, supreme novice you know, hurdle, he knows lots of other people. <laughs> yeah no i think there's been uh, just remind me of the names strong leader in chasing fire you'll be looking at social media and there's a lot of trainers beating their chest about horses next week or the week after whenever cheltenham is and uh a bit like boxers there's plenty of talk now before the fight mm -hmm. and uh, i'd rather say nothing and see how we get on but I've two two nice each way chances neither of them neither of them have done anything wrong and um on the pair of them. Mm. I tipped Chasing Fire up on the uh, road to Cheltenham a couple of times. Is that of good or bad? Is that good? I absolutely no chance. Well, are, you, are you bang out of form? Uh, well, it's just and you sit next to him and you say yeah, it like sorry, that with a smile on your that. face. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's get stuck into yesterday. So Sandy Thompson joins us, joins us on the line first of all. Um, Sandy, well done. What a day winning the, the Premier Chase and, and the Moor Battle as well. Great stuff. You must have been delighted. Absolutely delighted. Just a, just a brilliant day. Yeah. Can't, you, 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 you can't really believe that it happened. What did you think as Colonel Mustard took them over the last <coughs> and you saw your, your horse and Ryan starting to make a bit of ground? Yeah, I mean, Ryan said when he was jumping the last, he, he always thought he was going to win. Um, you know, turning in, I mean, he looked like he was, you know, he, he was he was just going to be an also ran. And then 
suddenly jump in the second last yeah he might be placed and uh he, he just he just ran home, home so well what uh what, what what did he cost uh seven thousand right that's that's fair isn't it and um it looked like ryan had a chance to to sort of stay a bit wider but he sort of wanted to to kid him through the race if you like i know he's got those cheap pieces on as well is he a horse that is better just coming through horses oh very much so you know he probably should have won an entry um two runs ago um, and, he, and he just the two of them went hard at it from the front and, and then when he got to the front he just didn't didn't really go on so yeah it was always the plan to to come through horses and you're going to go coral cup not the boys race uh, still under discussion with, with the owners, and, and it's interesting, you know, people talking about um, the races at Cheltenham and the handicaps, and but it does seem that the boys' race is uh, there's obviously some very good horses have, have, <laughs> have, have gone on and won the boys' race. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So, I think that's yeah. yeah. I don't want to lead the witness at all. So maybe the Coral Cup would be more likely. But you see, what so, what what ground does he want ideally? He's very happy. I mean, I don't know, you know, obviously two, two and a half. Um, it was good ground yesterday over two. I think he'll stay fine. Um, we've always thought he wanted sort of softer ground, but uh, I don't think it matters really too much to him. OK, so whether you thought Benson was going to win um, two out or not, I don't know. But you can't have thought Empire Steel was going to win two out. No, no. Um, he, uh, you know, I know, I know he stays and things, but uh, yeah, too hard. But you know, wishing and hoping. He's he's been a great horse for for us this year. That's twice he's led the field on at Merry Gallop, and uh, fallen in a hole, and, and you know, obviously Dingo Dollar Daintree, and now Empire Steel. Um, you know, because I'm sure that Harry Skelton, if he if he had the right race to ride again, would 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 have sat behind him for for much longer. But uh, that's all history now. <laughs> it really is. Um... I feel like, was it the Roland Merrick your horse came down in a few years ago and, and you know, I, I won, he, he looked like he was going well that day and, um, you know, he's always felt like he's got a, a really good race in him, this horse. Uh, for all, it hasn't quite always worked out, but, but this was very much his day. What's next? Uh, Scottish National will be next. Um, we'll, just, we'll just freshen him up uh, and, 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 yeah, we'll go to air. Hopefully the handicapper will... Um, you know, look at the race for what it was. Obviously, Dan said before the race that his horse probably would come on for the race. So, you know, although he was he was wrong at the weights, um, you know, hopefully hopefully the handicapper won't go overboard. Um, I think he's been as high as one four seven, and uh, you know, if we went back there, we wouldn't, you know, one four six, one four seven. We couldn't really have many complaints. Mm. Uh, well, what does your what does your gut tell you about a marathon trip for him? Well, I mean, you know, if, if you looked at yesterday, it looked like looked like he needs he needs every bit of it. Um, but it's it's the great old saying: you you, you don't know until you go. And uh, yeah, but obviously, obviously, Alan, the uh, uh, great Scottish racing man, would would love to have a love to win the Scottish National. Yeah, of course you would. And, and um, if Ryan's on board, you might have the right man who who knows how to to win over a national trip. He he's been some story, Ryan, hasn't he? Oh, brilliant! He's he's always he's always had a huge amount of talent. Um, that's never been any doubt. Um, I think now that he realizes, you know, I don't think when he when he was first riding, I don't think it came so naturally to him. I don't think it, you know, he just appreciated what he what he has. But he but he now has has appreciates it very much. So and uh, yeah, hopefully he can sort of stay just a little niggles all season, and hopefully he can just get clear of them and and uh, keep his weight under control and have a have a great end of the season. Talking points upcoming as promised. First of all, we can head to Ireland to hear from Gordon Elliott in conversation with Don McLean. Gordon, you've 34 winners at the Cheltenham Festival. You're the joint fifth leading trainer of all time at the festival. It's obviously a meeting that means the world to you. Yeah, it does, to be honest. You know, Cheltenham is obviously the Olympics. Um, you know, so hopefully we can go back and make it 35 plus this year. Um, I didn't realise you said it earlier than equal with Martin Pipe for a fifth most winning trainer in Cheltenham so I'm looking forward to telling him that <laughs> and like it's only 12 years since you had your first winner were your first winners on the same day do you remember that come, come back to your first couple in, in 2011 yeah I remember it well um, Chicago Grey and Carlito Bigante won, won uh, do you know I, I remember it because yesterday it was a great day um, but it's a very special place you said Don you know and, you know you're all your way and you get there so we're uh, 
or two weeks out now and I can't wait. And like the team that you have this year, it looks really strong again. We just saw a few of them working earlier on. Um, we can talk through one or two of them along the way. Conflated, he goes for the Gold Cup and he like he ran a big race there in the Ryanair last year. Yeah, look at him. I think the step up in triple suit him. Uh, he's, he's getting a lot more manageable now that he's getting older. You know, you can actually ride a race on him. Um, I think the race will suit him. I think it's an open race. Um, and we're looking forward to it, yeah. And his win in the Savile's Chase this year, he seemed to win with a little bit in hand. Like And, and even now, he seems like he might even be a better horse this year than last year. He looks a two, believe it or not. He, he looks a lot stronger and a lot more settled. Um, yeah, so we're very happy where he is at the moment. And, uh, you know, can't wait to have a go at the Gold Cup. Obviously, it's going to be a competitive race, but it's open. You know, if, if you take the favourite out of it, uh, there's not a lot between the whole lot of the rest of them. Um, obviously, absolute hard is, is 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 the horse if he comes back and did what he did last year was awesome. But uh, my lad's in good form. And he hasn't run since Christmas. Was that always the plan? Yeah, to go straight there. Yeah, I said we we go straight there, so we obviously we could have him for entry and punch down after. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we're, we're we're two weeks now Friday, so uh, really looking forward. Tiapu, he's been a. Well, I mean, he's always been a good horse, but he's he's taken another step forward this year. Won the Hatton Squares hurdle, looked even better in winning the Galmai hurdle last time. Yeah, I thought he's very good this year. Um, not the biggest horse in the world, you know. He 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 looks stronger this year. Um, you know, I think he ticks a lot of the boxes for the stairs hurdle. He races behind the bridle. He's very very relaxed. Um, I've never had a horse to win a stairs hurdle, so I don't know what it takes to train one, but. Uh, Listen to all these experts talking. To, you, you hear them saying that a horse that races behind the bridle and, and saves his energy is also a big help for them races. So that's exactly what he does. And all his best for him to date has been on soft ground, but you're not that worried about no. a bit better ground. No, I'm not worried. Once the ground is safe, I'm happy. Um, he's not massive, like so. He's not. He's not. He's not really, really ground dependent. Um, obviously, once it's safe, we'll be happy. Mighty Potter, really exciting. That was hurdler, jeweled grade one winner last yeah. year's, and that was hurdler and seems to be again making the right progress over fences now he doesn't look like he's done much wrong this year so far um you know he always looked like he was chasing was going to be his game and um you know the sky's the limit uh we're really looking forward i'd, I'd probably be nervous watching him now because uh you know obviously he, he's one of the talking horses going over but uh we're, we're looking forward to getting over there with him and hopefully everything being okay and did you expect him to progress along the lines he's progressed over fences this season so far we always thought he was going to be a better chaser yes um, he didn't leave that much respect for hurdles. He, he could kick an odd one out of the way, but he, he, you know, I know it's the old saying, like you know, he's he's bought to be a chaser, and he looks like a chaser, but he actually was. And what he did last time at Leopard Sand, do you think that was a step forward from Fairyhouse? Uh, I think it was. I thought he was good in Fairyhouse. I thought he'd done all he could do the last day in Leopardstown. Um, you know, it was uh, it was you know obviously five willies and one of mine. It was daunting enough, but. Uh, you know, all he can do is keep winning, and I wouldn't swap him at the moment, on you? Yeah, and like he's a really exciting novice chaser. Jerry Kalam, another exciting novice chaser, but a slightly different type of horse. Yeah, Jerry's really laid back sort of a fellow, so he is uh, not in phases, and um, he just does what he has to do. Uh, very, very straightforward horse. Where Mighty Potter probably a speedier horse than Jerry, but uh, I think the step up to three miles is going to really suit Jerry. Um, we're looking forward to running him. Um, I'd say, obviously, if Jack is back, he's going to look forward to to to, to riding him. Uh, he won his beginner chase. Some Jordan's won two, two Grade Ones. But uh, if Jack's not back, we 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 we'll we, we leave Jordan on him. And he was very good in Limerick on soft ground. But then you sent him to Sandown for the Silly Isles chase yeah. over two and a half on better ground. And yeah, he won that as well. He did. Yeah, a bit hairy for a couple of strides at the turn in. Um, he just hit a little bit of a flat spot, but uh, he dropped his head and he showed a brilliant attitude and galloped the whole way to the line and. Kind of when he got there, he pulled up. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's. Um, it's hard to know how good he is. The cross country chase. It's a race in which you've excelled. Looks like what Delta work on Galvin going there this year. It's a really strong hand again. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a brilliant race. So it is. I I like I like the race. Um, you know, I always liked um doing a lot of hunting when I was young and whatnot. Uh, yeah, no, we've got we've got um, Delta, uh, we've got Galvin, Hardline and Mortal. We run four in the race. Uh, but uh, Delta, you know, was very good last year. Uh, he has the experience around there. Um, do you know the way, he, the way he ran in Cheltenham a few weeks ago was unbelievable. You know, I think he gave the second, or the winner, sorry, eighteen and the second sixteen pound, only beat a couple of lengths. Um, yeah, look, it's his race to lose, but Galvin will be dangerous. 
Galvin, he's a, he's a classy horse to yeah. run in the race, like close up fourth in the Gold Cup. He was only beat two and a half lengths for second in the mm. Gold Cup last year. Um, yeah, he's a good horse. In terms of, like, he doesn't have any experience. Well, he's never run in a, in a cross country race, but that's not a handicap. No, we've had him to Punchestown, we've had him uh, over to Sally Cascadden School, and um, he's been over to Cheltenham in school, so uh, don't worry, that jumping won't be a problem. 